When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Greetings and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Mike Trott is coffee. At Starbucks with a double latte skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. (laughs) Greetings and welcome to Starkville. Now part of the athletic baseball show where you'll find great baseball talk all week long and I've waited a long time to say this all season long. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. And I'm joined once again by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished <laughs> former major leaguer, and the vice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. Doug, how are you, my friend? Yeah, well, I was trying to think of what title I could add in the uh, times of spring training. And, you know, I, I've shoveled. I've definitely done that. Uh, so now I'm just getting ready. I'm, I guess I'm like a professional packer now. So I'm just packing up stuff to get on the road. So yeah. let's do it. UPS, call me up. <laughs> I can relate. All right. Hey, Doug, uh, why don't you perform uh, an important public service? Tell everybody where you will be on opening day and on Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. Well, opening day is uh, White Sox Astros in Houston. So we do the Thursday game and the Saturday game. And then staying in Texas, we got the Rangers. I believe it's Phillies Rangers. So let's do it. You know, I don't know if Jacob Duran will be, you know, on the hill or what's happening, but, but starting off with Dusty Baker defending his title. Very, very appropriate. Many years uh, playing with him and uh, happy for him. Yeah. I just had a, a, Great chat with with Dusty and a big column on all the people he's heard from since he won the World Series. Obama called, of course he did, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and thousands of other people. A- anyway, uh, Phillies Rangers to me are are two of the most in- interesting teams in baseball this year. So m- next week you should tell us what you thought. Um, but Doug, I love opening day. I love it when baseball gets going again. And you know who else loves all of that just as much as we do? It's our special guest this week. It's our friend Harold Reynolds of NLB Network. Harold, I cannot believe this is your first visit to Starkville. So welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it's taken a while. I, I, thank you, man. This is an honor. It's great well, stuff. The honor is ours. Uh, Glanville uh, will get that key to the city in the mail to you by the end of the show. Right, Doug? Well, first, I'm going to try to sell him a timeshare in Starkville. 
Um, so if you get make some turn some profit out of it, but then the key will come after that. Yep. I love it. I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Plenty of timeshare openings uh, as we speak. Uh, uh, all right. I, you know, I let uh, Glanville tell everybody what he'll be up to to opening day. So, um, Harold, you got some exciting stuff coming up yourself. Good day, Harold. We've got yet another new Harold Reynolds extravaganza coming. Uh, tell us what you're starting up this week. Well, I am excited about the season. It's going to be awesome. Uh, MLB tonight, I'm moving from the late night, 10 o'clock, with Greg Amsinger and Dan Plesak to the 6 p.m., 6 to 7, most nights, some nights 6 to 8. Uh, and we're revamping it. It's going to be Adnan Verk, myself, as the two main guys. And then we'll rotate some analysts in and out. But it's going to be a different look. Uh, we'll stand in different parts of the studio. Uh, we'll really not try to cover all 30 teams in one night. <laughs> we'll cover them over a period of time. That way it's you get a little more concise meat instead of a whole little smorgasbord. Uh, just on opening day, for example... Uh, Chris Young is going to join us late in the show. He's going to talk a little about Jordan Walker. And later on, the next day, we have Bill Ripken. Uh, Bill has the Bill Blackboards, things he's seen, trends that he's seen. So I'm sure we'll dive into a lot of the new rules and things like that. But really want to talk and prepare people at that time for the games that are going to start at 7. So really excited about it. It's going to be, uh, be a nice, pleasant change, and I'm looking forward to it. Hey, hey this will be great. Uh, you and Adnan will be so great together. Maybe you'll even drag me onto that show sometime. You yeah. Never know. Oh, yeah, you can count on it. Both of you guys, you, I'm, I'm acquiring guests, so you're coming in. Uh, and the beauty of it, what I want to do with guests when they come in, man, you got time. Speak what you've been seeing, what you've been thinking. Instead, we're, we're so often jumping in out of highlights. We want to kind of set that 6 o'clock to 7, where we'll go to ballpark cams, give it a look, but really dive in. You saw something. We'll dive into what do you think of Volpe? What do you think of Jordan Walker? What do you think of these young players? And then I'll end up with this when we can dive into what you guys want to talk about. Uh, I, I get in the cage with Aaron Judge, and I got a chance to go hit with Aaron, go through his routine. That's going to air on opening day, and I'll tell you what, it, it was fun. It was fun. Wow. You and you and Aaron Judge, very similar hitters. <laughs> I, I felt like Kevin Hart. I was like, he's so big. <laughs> Kevin Hart's about five four, and I was looking at Aaron the whole time like this. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's it's pretty impressive though. He can swing that bat. No kidding. All right, look, our our job today is to get people ready for this baseball season. Uh, I yeah. can't think of two guys I'd rather do that job with than you two. So, uh, all right, why don't we start with this question? Um, how momentous is this season? Uh, and I mean it. I, I think with these new rules. This feels to me like the biggest earthquake to hit baseball since, I don't know what, the the, the year of the DH? Harold, what do you think? I totally agree. I think also coming off the WBC, I mean, to have Trout and Otani <laughs> bat, match up for the last out of the world baseball classic, mm. uh, mm. seeing the fans' enthusiasm, getting a chance to get a taste of culture worldwide, and knowing that the fact of the whole country of Japan shot, shut down to watch that game, uh, baseball's on a high trajectory. And like you said, Jason, the, the rules to be able to come off of spring training where you had apprehension going in and 
over enthusiastic excitement going out because games are two hours and 15 minutes, two hours <laughs> and 30 minutes. I, and it's action packed. I mean, it's great. I'm curious you guys' thoughts, but that's how I see it. Doug? Well, I mean, well, Harold, I'm curious. Like, what do you think took so long? You know, like, it's sort of once you see it, you're like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. You know, what do you think was taking so long for this to kind of come together? Well, as you well know, there's a lot of bureaucratic stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And I think for, <laughs> really? for a while, um, with the union and ownership and fighting the brand of the game, uh, to, to, to baseball's hard for change. You know, I mean, think about guys started wearing white shoes and we went, white shoes! <laughs> you know, I mean, it takes that long. Oh, they're wearing beards in Oakland. What's wrong with them? <laughs> you know, so we are rooted in a lot of old tradition in our sport. And it's like turning the Titanic to get things to turn around. <laughs> and the thought of a pitch clock and the thought of being able to regulate where guys might stand on the field uh, just took forever to sit right with people. You had to see it. And it's still not going to sit right with a lot of folks. But I think with time... Uh, things change and you know I, I like the rules but that's what took so long if you ask me it just was we're entrenched in old tradition a lot in the sport you know I remember like writing about this 10 years ago writing about the clock and talking to players who were terrified that uh, the clock would start ticking and it would be like uh, Villanova going to UConn you know and so there'd be 10 seconds left on the clock, but the crowd will be chanting four, three, two, one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait, I shouldn't give anybody any ideas, right? I yeah. I don't know, but it was incredible. I was talking to Francisco Lindor the other day. Already, you know, he had two weeks playing in WBC, came back to spring training, and he said it was weird to like to go back to the the clock after that little time warp period in the WBC. Uh, just how much different the games feel, how much crisper they feel, how much how much better the rhythm of the games are. I I, I love watching it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to this, but uh, Harold, uh, Britt Giroli has a really fun piece in The Athletic right now, and uh, you're actually quoted in it. Um, <laughs> everywhere I went this spring, it felt like if I asked about the pickoff rules and the bigger bases and how they were going to change base stealing, Somebody would ask, hey, how many bases would Ricky Henderson steal? <laughs> right, right. So, so Britt actually found Ricky and asked him. Like, it's incredible she could even find him. But yeah. he, he said he'd steal another 50 or 60 <laughs> bases a year. So, <laughs> what? Harold, is he right? Well, I, I mean, I'll never put anything past Ricky. <laughs> um yeah, she asked me about that. and I, I started laughing at first. I'm like, I don't know about 50 or 60. Uh, it's going to add. I mean, he was already still at 120. I mean, what, what else do you want? But I do think that people that have not stole a base at a high volume don't fully understand what the game was like with base stealers. And I know, Doug, you can relate to this. And, and obviously, Jason, you covered it when we were aggressive. Uh, it was a mindset. I think the biggest change in the rule is not the four inches of the base. It is the two throwovers. Yeah. And, you know, to, to get technical, if I have a left-handed pitcher, we would take what we call the one-way lead if I couldn't read him, right? You get way out there, and you're leaning back, and you're <laughs> wanting him to throw. You're enticing him to throw over because I want to see what kind of move he has. 
So he would throw over and you go, okay, I kind of got to read. Let me get out there again. He'd throw over. He hadn't given me his best move yet. I got to get a little <laughs> further. But I was already, regardless of what he did, I was going back to the base. And then it'd be that time you shuffle back and they go, oh, he fooled him. No, I was going to go back anyway. Well, now with the two throwovers, I'm getting out there. I'm making you throw the ball to first twice. And then I'm getting way out there and saying, what are you going to do? I'm gone. <laughs> and I don't know if people really fully understand that weapon yet. And when they grasp it, they will. But that was something that was taught back in the 80s and 90s of baseball. Doug, I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing, Harold, that's interesting is sometimes it is, you mentioned earlier, it's like a mindset, but it, it's like the freedom to know that you can eliminate certain elements of doubt. That's what crushes you as a base dealer sometimes, right? Well, he might just do that. I mean, look at John Lester, right? They knew he couldn't throw over, but you know, like, is he going to slide step? Is, are they going to pitch? At, you know, just that little bit of inkling, you still kind of lose that edge. But now you're counting. You're literally like, okay, is he going to take the chance and, and go over once you have that freedom to run? And and I was a I was a guy who liked to pop up slide. So I'm like thinking, okay, give me those four inches because I, <laughs> you, you hit your foot on the front of that bag and you kind of come up. Now, of course, you got to get to the base now because of instant replay. But um, but I'm curious, like you know, based on what you've seen, you know, whether it's how you slide, do you anticipate other than the strategy you just outlined, outline other things that uh, base stealers might try to do? Yeah, I, you know, I, I go back to real quick to your point with the pitcher that you're thinking he may throw over. There was a guy named Teddy Higuera. You guys remember him with the Brewers? Yeah, Brewers. Yeah. He had the greatest no-throw-over move ever. I mean, <laughs> he would look like he was throwing over every time and he'd throw <laughs> the ball home. And I'm telling you, if I could have forced him to know that now Teddy's not throwing over and I had that thought, that would have been a big victory for me on the bases. Yeah. Um, I think the whole point of what we're doing with the base running, what we're seeing, um, is to force the front offices to play baseball again. Hmm. We've been so calculated. I never had heard the phrase my, all my years of playing and early in broadcasting, there's only 27 outs in the game. Never heard that. <laughs> I never even thought about right. there's 27 outs. It was force action, make them make mistakes. And if you get thrown out, you got thrown out. But you got this guy a fastball at the plate to hit. That was the mindset. We're going to hit and run. We're going to go face to face. We're going to put pressure on the defense. Now it's like, I got 27 outs. Don't do that. <laughs> and that's what our front offices have become. So I think all these rules are to force the front offices to say, there's other ways to play the game. We need entertainment. And so that's how, how I, I see the rules happening. Uh, what have I seen from base runners? Um, Spring training is hard to judge because everybody's trying to make a team. Everybody's mm -hmm. trying to show off. And they don't care about 27 outs. We'll know when the season starts what that front office is thinking. Am I going to worry about my 27 outs? Or will I let guys run fancy free on the bases? Well, uh, a, a couple of things. Um, the rate of base stealing <laughs> that was attempted this spring, I wrote about this a week or so ago, was almost two and a half attempts per game the last time we saw stolen bases attempted at that rate in the big leagues you know what it was 1919 <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little different wow um, I love and it. 
So, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that will slow down. But remember, the mi- the minor league stolen base success rate last year was close to 80%. And if the big league success rate is close to 80%, guys will run. Yeah. Hey, the, the other thing that I saw this spring, dancing. You know, it's like <laughs> dancing with the stars. I talked to a bunch of minor league players who could run a little bit. And they were telling me how, like, the thing to do was not just to to take a big lead, but to dance, to unsettle the pitcher, uh, to make him step off or make him throw over and start the disengagement clock going. And I saw some teams do that this spring. So it's really something to watch for. And it it's fun. There's like a whole new game within the game. Well, the uh, beauty of the beauty of what we're seeing and we're talking about is strategy is back in. You know, one of the reasons I I got frustrated calling games, I was like, just leave me in the studio. Because as the analyst in a game broadcast, I used to be able to say, hey, this is a hit and run situation right here. You know, they may be running. Watch out. He might get moving. He might on on this run. Oh, that ball's in the dirt. He should have advanced and went to second on that ball in the dirt. All those things have been eliminated from the conversation of a sport because we have a shift and we're going to hit three run homers. We don't have guys that want to hit the ball the other way. There was no bunt. There was no strategy. So all that was just thrown out the window. And I was like, may as well just have the play-by-play guy there. There's nothing for me to tell you that you might see. So now all these strategies have come back in the game. And I'm, I'm excited to see what happens now because you do have to think about situations. I've thought as much as how quick do they have to get the sign to the third base coach to get it to the hitter when you got 20 seconds. You know, we were always taught not to tip the signs. If there was a foul ball, a third base coach put the sign on real quick while you looked at him and everybody else followed the ball. Yep. You know, so those little strategies are now coming back into the game. Uh, the pitch calm, they tried it this spring with the pitcher had to, to call the pitch to save some time, not the catcher transferring the sign to everybody else. So all these things have come into play with the new rules that were just kind of sitting dormant in our sport. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's there's a lot of uses of the pitch con too. I I'm mean, kind of getting off the track here, but I was at a game where Alec Manoa was pitching to Alejandro Kirk. It was uh, Kirk's first uh, start of the spring because he was late, and uh, so three ball count. They couldn't agree on the sign, and so <laughs> Alec Manoa didn't know quite what to do. So he stepped off, but it was too late to do that. So they called ball four, and they announced in the press box intentional walk it was it was the <laughs> least intentional walk I, <laughs> right. of all time right but i talked to alec afterwards and he said i'm gonna wear the pitcher pitch com unit in the future because if we ever get into that situation again where we can't agree on a sign i can just pump in a pitch and then go because that way at least i can throw a pitch and not have this happen and so there are a lot of uses to the technology within yeah. the confines of the rules you, uh, you know, uh, real real quick, and I, yeah. I don't know where, where you're going to go. I don't want to get you too far off, but right. like Manny Machado was the first one that got called for a strike, right? And that was well-known, well-documented. Mm-hmm. I talked to Manny afterwards, and he said, you know, I got to the plate, and you always do your greeting your first at bat. I tapped the shin guards, the catcher, I tapped <laughs> the umpire. How you guys been? It's been a good winner. The umpire goes, four seconds, Manny. Goes, huh? <laughs> Two. He's like, What? Like one. <laughs> and he was like, 
oh man, I just have to start my routine earlier. So guys are starting to figure out what they need to do as well. Yeah. You, you know, let's talk about the clock. Uh, the average game this spring was 25 minutes shorter than last spring and a half hour shorter than during the season. And, you know, as you've been saying, there was still some crazy stuff that went on because of the clock. Howard, you know, I was at the game that ended on the clock off call. Oh, you're at that game. Of, because, of course, I was, right? My wife told me, you willed that to happen because you were there. But anyway, what, what do you think? How do you think the pitch clock will change the experience of watching baseball and playing baseball? I think, I think it's going to be great. You know, like you were saying earlier about the Villanova basketball game, you know, will some will fans start counting down? I think it engages fans immediately. I mean, you can't even watch football like normal anymore. You're watching, will they get the snap off? I'm looking at the little circle. You force television to be different. They had to figure out where to put that clock so you could see countdown five, four, three, and the quarterback stomping his head. And he's going, you're not going to get it off in time. There's an anxiety and there's an engagement with the fans. So I'm watching that clock during the, during the spring, and I'm saying, he's got two seconds. He hasn't even started his delivery yet. They can't get an agreement. This is going to be a ball. You know, so I'm I'm watching all these little things. I think it's important. I know people were like, how do you cut a half hour out? It's all the wandering around, the overthinking. And and I, I don't know if the numbers are right, Jason, but I think the stats are – the offense is probably up too. And spring training offense is up somewhat, but I think we, we're getting rid of that overthinking. Okay, what's he going to throw me here? 2-2, two, two, 80% of the time he does this. <laughs> guys are calculating things out. Instead of get in the box, react, play the game like it used to be played. Yeah, Doug? Well, and, and Doug, Harold, I see I mean, you smiling, man. I see yeah, I mean, well, I, I, it made me think of um, well, the synthesizing of data, right? There's so much going on. And I remember last year talking to uh, Dave Roberts about how Freddie Freeman was, like, tired of guys going to the plate and then coming back and being on their iPads, not even watching the game. Just like a, It's just so much synthesizing of data. But it also got so risk-averse, right? You started to – you're like, okay – if I'm going to increase my chance of scoring a run by 20%, 20 percentage points by stealing third here, that's great. But if I get caught, I'm going to decrease my chance of my team by 40 percentage points. So what ends up happening is you just see it as like a binary choice and then you just don't run at all. Right. And, yeah. and you know, Harold, like you, everybody loves the low percentage play that that's what kind of makes it special, right? The the rarity, the the Tom Lawless home run in the World Series, like that is the stuff that makes you feel like anything's possible. And when you start to eliminate all these things, right, because of risk, then you get to these places. And I, I just think that, you know, all right, clock, you've taken out some of the thinking. And I guess one question I have regards to that clock is, what do you think about that max velocity component? Because guys, it's also recovery, right? It's synthesizing but it's recovery and they would step back and then do like a crow hop from center field to throw the pitch. Cause they had all this time. Right. Uh, you know, have you have any insights on like what you think might happen there? Oh, it's definitely going to decrease the velocity. Um, guys are just hey. not physically going to be capable. Can I mention uh, something uh, in the minor leagues with the pitch clock, there was no significant decrease in velocity. Does that tell well, us anything or not? I, I, I think that'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I I guess the numbers are probably the numbers, but I I have a tendency to disagree. I just feel like we had so many guys that wandered around and just 
restored their breath and reached back for 99. I want to see when they're in that 15 second mode. It's just, I mean, it's real simple. If you lift weights or you run or anything like that, you run sprints, you're going to get tired. And uh, so I think that that will be a real interesting thing I want to watch. I was thinking a couple of things that when you're talking about running too, um, back to the philosophies of, of adverse or not risk on, on, on running or not. I remember the philosophy was always, I'm going to get that guy at the plate, something to hit. And cause I'm on, they're going to throw a fastball cause they don't want him. Don't want me to steal. So that hitter's now getting fastballs to hit. I remember Alvin Davis or even Ken Phelps, you know, famous Ken Phelps got traded for Jay Buehner. I played with him when he first came over, played triple A, then we played in the big leagues together. And he would want me to still second or be on first. So he'd get a fastball. He knew he was going to get a heater to hit, you know, so little things like that. The other thing that's happened, you know, I don't want to sit here and just hammer front offices as much as I would like to sometimes, but (laughs) But the other thing I think it's going to change is we got to the point, maybe this is where the four inches comes in a little bit more, but we got to the point first and third guys wouldn't run because they got thrown out. It would hurt their war. And so they quit going first to third. Uh, that can't be what controls the game. If I'm worried about my war, uh, we got to get guys running the bases on a ground ball to right field. You're going to get to third base with one out and the guy has a chance to drive you in. So I, I just think all this comes in. And front offices are changing their thinking. Players are changing their thinking. And it's going to affect the game in a positive way. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, you know, first and third is now the most interesting situation in baseball. It really is. There's going to be a lot of little league, double steals, steals of home. Uh, and again, got, yeah. got breaks, stops, dances. What's the pitcher do? What's the catch do? It's all a lot of it this spring. I mean, just think about this, though. We would have never had this conversation in the last 10 years. Not we didn't much. have this is This has changed everything. Yeah. Yep. Hey, look, let's let's switch gears uh, since we were all in spring training. I'd, I'd love to talk just a little bit about what we saw. Let's try to do this quick. Some team that you saw this spring that you think will surprise people. How do you got to pick? I, I think the Baltimore want. Orioles are going to surprise people. I, I I really love their young talent. Yeah, I think they've really come on. Um, I think they will really surprise folks. I think Arizona's going to be better than most people think. They'll be competitive, more competitive. Uh, and I just think the Dodgers don't have the depth most people do. Going the other direction. So those yeah. are my three things that I that I see with with clubs. Doug, what do you think? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take like the probably the safest pick of all of all the Angels because they're gonna surprise you no matter what they do. Yeah. <laughs> if they win, it's like oh my goodness. If they lose, like how do you lose with Trout and Otani? I mean, it's like, and I, you know, I'm hoping they're gonna ride the wave of like the WBC because that that matchup, you know, it's like can we just get to the next level? But the game like needs these guys to just like get to the post just to see what they would do. I mean. Would Otani pitch to himself? I mean, I, I'm just curious. Like, how do you do this? 
So um, the, those guys, I, I picked the Angels, I think, in one of my many prediction polls uh, <laughs> to be in, uh, to make it this year, just because. I'm like, let's just get the Angels in there. All right, here's my team. How about the Red Sox? Uh, I, I did not pick them to make the playoffs, but I do think they're going to contend. I think they'll have a winning record. Uh, I think Chris Sale comes back and reminds us of what he used to be. Uh, be found, before he found like 12 crazy ways every season to get hurt. Uh, that must be the last I, camp you stopped by, huh? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I just think there's a scenario. I thought in the WBC, Yoshida looked like everything that they told us he'd be at the plate, Harold. And um, I know Alex Cora thinks so. I, I also had this feeling that uh, Justin Turner and Kenley Jansen will help that team and stabilize that team. So I, I just think they're they're better than most people think. I don't know. It's um, good. That's good. How, how about I, I, um, how about a uh, some player who impressed you this spring? It could be a prospect. It could be a young player. It could be a breakout player. Whatever. Uh, Doug, I'll let you start. What do you think? Well, in terms of like a a breakout. Well, the anybody um, who impressed you that. I mean, I just like my. Pretty much my answer to everything is Shohei Otani. I mean, I just, I mean, because it's like, I'm just sitting there and I, it's any chance I get to talk about this guy because I'm just trying to understand what I saw in the WBC, right? A hundred miles an hour by trout, a hundred miles an hour by trout, 102 miles an hour that, you know, almost took off the catcher's arm. And then a slider that I think hit the batter and the on deck circle and then ricocheted over home plate. And I'm just trying to understand like, and then he like sprints to first and he gets, he hits for power. <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious if he, he like like what he can possibly do. Is there another level here? Because I'm not sure there is. So I just I just want to throw him in there just because. Doug, Har- yeah. tell, tell Harold your name for uh, Otani. Oh he, well, I just I just he's, I, there's there's no longer what? adjectives. I just call him. He's doing something otonic. I mean that's it. <laughs> you, you just have to create a whole verb <laughs> adjective. Everything. So just otonic. He he's incredible. Um, I mean, just watching him take batting practice. And like you said, he's the fastest guy on the field <laughs> outside of all the stuff that you said. I mean, he's he, he, truly, truly remarkable, uh, truly amazing. I, I tell you what, the other, the other guy that was so impressive and he didn't play much yet, but it's Bobby Witt Jr., talking to every player on Team USA. And this isn't just uh, the local Little League that says this guy's really good. This is <laughs> like a Major League All-Star collection of players. You know, we didn't have the, all the top pitchers on the Team USA, but you had – I would take that position team against anybody. You could throw Harper in when he's healthy and different guys. But that team, of that lineup, We'll stack with any lineup you throw out there. American League All-Star Team, National League All-Star Team. I'll take that lineup against anybody. When you get Mookie, Goldsmith, Trout, and all those guys, and every one of them per man, when I'm talking to them in Miami, is like, have you seen Bobby Witt Jr.? Oh, my goodness. Have you seen Bobby Witt Jr.? I mean, he's, what, 21, 22? He'd be a senior in in college right now. He is he was already almost 30, 30 last year. If he wasn't already, I'm not sure. But, man, he is off the charts talented. And yeah. he's going to be fun to watch this year. That, that's a good one. I mean, the you know, the Royals finally got uh, Mondesi out of his way, cleared the way. 
for him to play shortstop. That's his comfort zone. Just monster talent. Uh, I'm really excited about him too. Um, I, I was wandering around spring training in Florida. So I, I had two guys. Uh, one was a surprise to me, uh, Matthew Boyd back in Detroit. I don't know if you guys noticed, had an incredible spring, 21 strikeouts in 13 innings. I saw him one day, he faced 10 hitters, and he punched out seven of them. Uh, he's wow. back to his old delivery. Uh, you know, the Giants really work wonders with him. Like, if I if I had a fantasy draft coming up, uh, he, he'd be a great mid-late round uh, pick for me. Uh, the other one is a young player. Gunnar Henderson from the Orioles. I know this is breaking say news. Too, man. Wow. It's the first time I'd seen that guy play in person, Harold. Uh, he didn't even have a big offensive spring, but I mean, wow. Like, what can he do? He was great with a glove at third one day. He was incredible with a glove at short another day. Power. He's got the wheels. He's got the ability to control at bats. I just think he's going to be so much fun to watch as he turns into a star. Um, no. All right, I, I know you got to run, so I'm good. I'm I'm good. We'll keep going for a little oh, bit. Okay, you want to keep going? I, like Doug wants to talk about Otani. Let, let's just do a couple of Otani predictions. Um, higher OPS plus as a hitter or ERA plus. As a pitcher, uh, for people who, who don't know what that is, uh, it takes OPS, ERA, uh, compares them to the league average player, and it tells you how much by percent that player is better than the average player. So just so you know, uh, last year, ERA plus one, he was 72% better than league average as a pitcher, only 45% better at the plate. But the year before, uh, it was Shohei the hitter was 57% better, and Shohei the pitcher, a mere 41% better. So this, this seems like a fun category. How? What do you think, Shohei the pitcher or Shohei the hitter? Well, I, I, it's, it, it sounds like it's an easy one for me. It's, I'm going to make it sound that way. It's very difficult by my, ah, uh, my pauses there. <laughs> but because of the shift rule, his offense is going up. Right. They can't defend him anymore. Like three guys on one side of the field. Uh, there's going to be balls that get through now. That he may, he's the type of guy with his speed and ability that's going to hit a ground ball that would have been caught by a shift by the shortstop and it's going to split the center fielder and it's going to be a triple. That's how hard he hits the ball that were outs before. So I think he, he because of the shift rule, I'll, I'll go with the hitting going higher. Wow, that's a good one, Doug. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I like the hitting side. I think, you know, he had a kind of a slow by Otani standards few months last season. I I think he's going to be motivated to just try to take that and erase it, you know, and um, and I, and kind of pick up where he left off at the end of the season. But yeah, you add the shift and you add other elements. It's like, mm, he's, he's, gonna, he's, he's going for it. Wow, Can I tell okay. you a quick story? So oh, sure. the first time that I go to Anna, go, it was spring training and I go to Tempe to see Shohei Otani. He'd been there one day, and I got there on day two. And I show up, and I'm walking in to the complex, and Mike Trout and Justin Upton run to me like it's Christmas. And they're like, <laughs> you got to see this guy. You won't believe this guy. And I'm like, 
what are you talking about? I had no idea, first of all, he was 6'5", like 235. <laughs> He's a stud, just chiseled out of granite. And here's Mike Trout and Justin Upton, two <laughs> power hitters, coming to me going, you won't believe this. He's hitting balls, Harold, on the rocks. And if you ever go to that <laughs> complex in Tempe, in left center field, there's this, this rock standard up there. He's going, he's hitting balls on the rocks. And I'm thinking to myself, I thought he was left-handed hitter. <laughs> you know, and they're going, he is left-handed. Opposite field, he's hitting them on the rocks. I've never seen anybody hit a ball that far in my life. <laughs> I'm like, come on, you got to be kidding me. And I watch him take the first round of BP, and Trout's just like, told you? <laughs> it was unbelievable, and he hasn't stopped. The guy's amazing. I, you know, I was out there uh, a couple of years back for his first uh, side session, his first bullpen session of spring training. They hadn't even been announcing when he was going to throw. And so word got out. Harold, Doug, it was like Tiger going off the 18th fairway at Augusta. <laughs> this stampede of humanity when they realized, show he's going to throw. <laughs> like thousand people was sprinting to the back mounds there just to watch him throw a bullpen so I, i'm gonna go with shohei the pitcher you know as we saw in that wbc i think it just gets better and better on the mound like there's no wrong answer here none so all right, how about this one does he win the mvp does he win the cy young or does he win both oh. doug you're dying to answer this question i know you are Wow. Well, as I said, I, I create a whole new dictionary off of Otani. So I don't know. I, has anybody won both? Like it's winning both like Verlander won both, but they were like one dude. But I'm trying to think of like, has anybody won both independently? Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, no, like, who could do that? <laughs> right. So I think you get the both awards and you fuse them together and then you just call it the Otani award. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's just, why not let him? I'm just gonna say he's gonna win both. Does it's just like if he has the kind of year he had with the offense and and the pitching he had? I mean, I think it's just and someone just has a little bit lower. The pitching is a little bit down. Hey, give it to Otani. So we'll call him, we'll call it the MVO something like MVO. that. MVO, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Harold, what well, do you got? I, I think every year is his to lose before the season yeah. starts, and every player in baseball knows it. Yeah. Aaron Judge hits 62 homers. Drives in 137 runs and his 319 or 18 or something like that, and is sweating it out <laughs> with the MVP. I mean, he's sweating it out. And Otani had an off year. Okay. <laughs> it, uh, he's going to win the MVP. That's given. He has that unless he gets injured. That's the only thing that keeps him from that. The rest, if he hits 40 plus homers, how, how's he not? Gonna win. He won the DH award. He's gonna be. I, I just don't see where he doesn't. And if he gets better, like like Jason Stan as a pitcher, he's gonna win the Cy Young. So so you're going with both. Doug's going yeah. with both. I'm going with both. Because <laughs> why not? And then he'll sign with the Dodgers for what eight hundred million? <laughs> Something yeah, like that. You gotta pay him for two people. people. He'll get paid. Name a, a country. They're just gonna have to give him a country, like an entire country. That's okay, really crazy. Yeah. He's can, a lot of money. That, that can be your your project for next week, Doug. Think think of what Otani Nation would be called. Okay, <laughs> All right, let's do one more. Uh, let's okay. pick 
Who's in the World Series and who wins the World Series? Ooh. Harold, we'll start with you. Wow, I knew you were going to do that. Um, <laughs> who's in that World Series? I have a hard time not seeing the Astros repeat back at the World Series. They are so good. Um, winning it, who's, who are they going to play against? I think out of the National League. Uh, believe it or not, most people would think I'm nuts. I was picking Mets early, but I, I think the Phillies are the – what they did with that bullpen, they're going to get Bryce Harper back like the greatest trade they could ever made. <laughs> I think the Phillies are the team to beat the National League. And wow. we're going to get a repeat of last year's World Series. So Astros-Phillies again. How about that? Doug, what's your pick? Well, like I said, I learned about predictions that um, I could just say today, this is my prediction. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what I do. So, uh, I, you know, I threw on my list, I put the Blue Jays and the Braves. I think, it, you know, take you back to the 90s or whatever. I'm just like, why not? Blue Jays, you know, Blue Jays, hey, you know, fantastic. They've, their pitching is solidified. You know, they got Dalton Varsho. I mean, you know, they, you know, it's an interesting team that's young and athletic and it's got power and they they do a lot of great things. So I'm like, you know, everybody's kind of predicting them the last couple of years. So I'm just going to keep doubling, tripling <laughs> down on them. And then I picked the Braves because, you know, they're one of, you know, you talk about a great young team that just uh, has a lot of bandwidth to learn and make adjustments. Snicker gives them the room to do that. And, you know, Riley was a little bit slow, you know, end of the year. But you, you put those guys together and you just hit the team from a couple of years ago. Uh, so I'm just like, why not? You know, I think there's a lot of great teams certainly going to go for it, even in their own division. But with Diaz going down and the Mets, that, oof, that, that hurt. That hurt a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the Braves could easily get there. I, I've got Blue Jays against Padres. Wow. And the Blue Jays winning. You know, I'm – I saw the Blue Jays a lot this spring. Every time I saw them, I swear they scored 14, 16, 18. <laughs> you know, they balanced out that lineup. And it, one of the things that really caught my eye about them is what I was talking about earlier. They have really leaned into using the new rules to uh, to rev up their running game. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of stolen bases this spring, but also a lot of that dancing to try to disrupt pitchers that I was talk, talking about, trying to make them use up their disengagements. Uh, Dalton Varsha, great at that. Um, you know, they haven't won a World Series since Joe Carter's home run landed. It was 30 mm. years ago. Uh, uh, I, I think that might change. I don't know. Just that I, I never get tired of picking them either. <laughs> yeah. uh, Harold, it's been so cool to have you here in Starkville, man. Um, we loved it. Uh uh, Doug is working on that key to the city. That should that should be yeah. in your inbox here any moment now. <laughs> Look, come come back anytime, and uh, good luck keeping Adnan under control on that six o'clock. All <laughs> right, appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Okay, it's that time again. It's time for listener trivia. Our way of involving you, our favorite listeners in this show, uh, and Doug. We are somehow undefeated in trivia in spring Ooh. training. So, mm -hmm. like, don't mess it up this week. All right. Yeah. Yes. Undefeated. I, I like it. We are, you know, that, even if we get one wrong, we're always undefeated within an hour, you know, because we're 0 and 0 after that. You have to clear your mind, clear it, <laughs> and start again. Okay. Whatever you say. Um, I just know that we had a lot of great questions this week. 
But our friend and our frequent trivia nemesis, Paul McCord, email us a great question. This was, I think, a couple of weeks ago. But uh, since we talked about Ricky Henderson on this show with Harold Reynolds and how many bases he would steal with these new rules, it just felt like the perfect time for a little Ricky trivia, which is what Paul supplies. So, Paul. Welcome and uh, way to go thinking right along with us. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on. We are glad to have you back. Uh, if you listen to this show, if you listen to this show or you follow Paul on Twitter, which you should at Brave Stats, you know he's a massive Atlanta Braves fan. So, Paul, I think I should ask, how are you feeling about the Braves in the monster NL East? I'm feeling pretty good about them right now. I think um, related to the conversation we're having about steals, uh, Ricky Henderson, uh, I think Sean Murphy's going to have a much bigger impact than some people think. They look at yeah. offensive numbers and think, wow, 18 homers in Oakland, that's not a whole lot. Whether he hits more than that or not, which I think he will, I think his impact behind the play is going to be huge um, for what he can do back there. And everything else remains the same, except we have a healthy Acuna back and things of that nature. So, Well, well shortstop does not remain the same, but whatever yeah fair enough <laughs> the braves will do their thing i've seen them a lot this spring and uh you should know doug glanville just picked them to go to the world series yeah he did i did i yep. did uh, today uh, uh, tomorrow will be different yeah but uh the truth is we have stalled long enough it is time to put yes. our trivia streak on the line so yeah. paul what's your question all right well uh as i'm sure we all know it because you guys have discussed it many times um, stolen bases are expected to, uh, well, hopefully go up this year, as we've seen in spring training and elsewhere. Um, so that was the inspiration for this question. So um, Ricky Henderson broke Lou Brock's career stolen base record with number 939 on May 1st, 1991. Fun fact, that was just hours before Nolan Ryan pitched his seventh career no-hitter later that night. Anyway, after that record-breaking 939th steal, Ricky stole 467 more bases to finish his career with a massive 1,406. Mm. 467. Only six players whose MLB debut came after he broke that record would go on to steal as many as 467 in their entire respective careers. Can you wow. name them? <laughs> All right. Well, that's a great question. Um, Nolan Ryan's not an answer to the question, though, despite that Nolan <laughs> Ryan aside that you threw in there. But, Paul, since you're such a loyal listener, you you know something important here. Yep. You know mm-hmm. that when you ask for six answers, that That's a lot. is well above the Glanville trivia line. He does not permit questions with that many answers. So uh, this is where we need to negotiate okay. a more manageable number. So we don't need to come up with all six of these guys. Um, I feel like on our last show, I think we had another question with six answers and we settled on four. So if we get four of them, would that work for you? I think four works. And I, I'm really, I've got faith in you guys. I think you're going to get more than four of these. But I think four is actually, um, it's, it's that's a solid, um, that's a solid settling point there. I, I can go for that. Yeah, I think the and yeah, and did we get six guesses? How did we do this? Yeah, go for six guesses. See if you can get all six because I want to see if you can do it. Yeah. But uh, if you get four of those, and give me your six top, four. Four. give me your top four, but then throw me two more names. Hmm. All right, make six guesses. I like it. All right, we can sorry about that. that plane. Oh yeah, uh, this I, is we don't, I don't hear it. I don't hear it over here. Really? Okay. 
All right, so we need four out of the six players mm. on at least 467 bases in mm. basically the last 30 years. That's okay. So That's about right. Since May of 91. Right. Okay. So I, I, I know one of these because yeah. we were talking about Brit Giroli's Ricky Henderson story, and this guy was in there. Uh, so D. Gordon or D. Strange Gordon, as he is known now, he is definitely one. Um, I think I know two without thinking real hard. Uh, Kenny Lofton has to be one of them. All right. Mm -hmm. It has to be. And I feel like Juan Pierre has to be one because all those two guys did was run. So mm. it gives us three. We need one more, right? Um, mm. Doug, you played in this era. You were not one of these. Am I correct? No, not even close. <laughs> I, I had more than 400 strikeouts, if you want to count that. <laughs> That's a different question, that. however. Different. Uh, okay, so we, we, we need one more, but we're going to guess three more. Uh, all right, let's think this through, Doug. I think Jose Reyes should be one. Right, his name mm. came to mind. Right, uh, I forgot about him. Okay, Carl Crawford. Like, wouldn't Ooh. he be one? Uh, uh, stole the run there. Led the league and stolen mm -hmm. bases a bunch of times. Yep. Um, I thought about Michael Bourne, um, mm. Billy Hamilton. All those. I mean, those guys were burners. Uh, Luis mm. Castillo used to hit behind Juan Pierre in Miami. Mm. Uh, stole a ton of bases. Oh, and one more. Uh, like when did Marquise Grissom debut? I think he Ugh, debuted before May first, ninety one. Yeah. But that's a that the debuts kind of get me. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a that, that's a that's a little supplement. That's why it's good. We only need to get four. Um, uh, anyway, D Doug, um, what do you think? Yeah, these are all right. Well, one thing I was thinking. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some like, you know high-level dudes and let me know if i'm in the ballpark like okay like a guy like carlos beltran how many bags did he have did he have that many that's too many right he definitely stole at least 300 did he okay. get to 400 wow that's a good name wasn't really sure never led the league in steals did he i don't think he ever did no and then what about like like junior or no a rod no i mean they didn't they didn't run enough they, they didn't run. uh later in their career Okay. Alex went 40 40 early. Yeah, no, he, he had a lot of bags. Um, yeah, I had Katia on here. What about how many bags did Ichiro steal? Yeah, I thought about him too. Um, he, he, he definitely led the league in stolen bases, maybe even his first year, but then he didn't run quite as much either. He's got to be really close, really close. Okay. And then what about like Tony Womack? He was a pretty prolific. He, he stole a lot of bases, led the league in steals. I'm going to say he didn't do it quite long enough. That's another yeah. really good name. God, we're really getting confused now. Uh, <laughs> well, yes, I'll say that. I'm just throwing the uh, the. All right, so I don't know when these guys debuted. I mean, Biggio debuted before '91, right? Craig Biggio, or did he? Uh, again, that's close. It's close. Chipper, Chipper had a lot of 30s, but I don't think he. No, there's no way. He probably didn't get to 400. Uh, Jim Edmonds, no he's way. 87, right? Now, now you're just dropping names to drop. J Jimmy oh, Rollins, J Roll. It's a good name. Uh, okay. I mean, he. Okay. Like, here's 
the thing. Um, 460 is a lot like, of bags. That's like 460 is a lot. It, like, it's like you have to it's average like 12 years, 40 bags a year. Exactly. And so think about it. You have to really steal bases at a high level for a long time. Yeah. Um, or steal like you have some seasons where you stole 50, 60, 70. So that's let's just let's not drop right. names just to drop them so yeah just all right, all right. okay so all right i'm confident we have three often pierre gordon so it's like right jose reyes carl crawford and who luis castillo oh, well, i'm gonna leave this to you doug all right i like reyes i do like reyes and crawford i mean i like reyes particularly okay. um all right, I don't know about Beltran. Marquise Grissom, I just don't know when he debuted. Let's not, yeah, let's not take that chance. Okay, let's not take a chance. I don't know about Bourne. Gosh, Michael Bourne is a good one. Luis Castillo, man, he ran a lot. Is it enough? <laughs> Doug, just make a guess. Would While you, you guys uh, are deliberating, I will volunteer that you have at least named the six names somewhere in your discussion. So not the six <laughs> oh, names. No, we do. Talk our way out of them. We do. So. Oh. Okay, I'm naming right. Gordon, Pierre, yeah. and Lofton. Doug has named. Uh, I'm taking your names, actually. Reyes. Reyes and Crawford. And just, Doug, just guess one name, would you please? This could be it. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Make a guess. Wait, I'm looking Make, at this. Uh, do Ichiro it. Doug. Luis Castillo. We need, we, we're going to have to go I to the Jeopardy him. theme music here so you don't spend 10 minutes Curtis, making your guess. Curtis, good. Oh, Tim, get, get the ready. Jeopardy theme music ready for Eric next Young. week. Eric Young? Okay. Um, yeah, you play it. I'll, I'll be ready after Jeopardy. Um, uh, 467. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Luis Castillo, I'll say that. Okay. All right, Paul. I so know. I think we. I don't know. If I I can't remember back to the beginning of this answer, but I believe we're guessing Gordon, Pierre, Lofton, Crawford. I can't even remember anymore. Reyes, uh, Castillo. Reyes, and who who'd you just pick, Doug? Castillo. Luis Castillo. Castillo. Okay. What do you, Paul? How'd we do? Good news. You did get four out of the six. <laughs> Oh, all right. Okay. So I'll let you know that I have uh, the top 18 in front of me, mainly because active leader with 336 is number 18 on the list, and that is D. Strange Gordon. Oh, okay. So I got Wait, two. He's not even on there? He, oh, yeah, he's nice. down at number 18. He's got 336. So he's not at the 467 yet, but oh, okay. he's the So I closest. must have misread Brit's story. I think, yeah, he's the closest guy who could get there, is okay. what I think she may have been emphasizing. Oh, right. ah, so here's okay. your here's your top six. And uh, two of them, the top two came out. Pretty early. Kenny Lofton at 622. Juan yep. Pierre at 614. Right. Okay. Um, then uh, Jose Reyes at 517. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you said Ichiro, 509. Good job. But uh, that wasn't one of your guesses in the end. Uh, correct guess. Your fourth one is Carl Crawford at 480. Oh, wow, and then tight. near the very end, you squeezed in um, a guess, but didn't didn't, didn't settle on him. Uh, J-Roll, Jimmy Rollins at 470. Ooh. Wow. He, if he listens to this, he's not going to be happy with us for me. But somewhere in there, we got it right, right? We oh my did. goodness. And I really liked wow. that because it emphasized how the stolen base um, just it hasn't been a big part of the game since the 90s, yet Ricky kept stealing at a prolific rate, even in his later stages of his career. Just amazing what he could do. All right, yeah. let's skip the baseball significance. Doug, mm. 
We just went four for four this spring in trivia. Now that's significant. That's I don't right. even think we got three right the whole season last year, did we? <laughs> we were, yeah, we were tight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, don't, you know, I'm, I'm just we're going next level, man. Next level, next level. How, are we? Know. Okay, let's yeah. go with that. Uh, look, here's the good news: the part of this segment which involves us is history. Now comes the best part, by which I mean the part where we bring in the mayor of Starkville. Mayor Tim McMaster to play another classic play-by-play clip that involves this week's answer. Mayor Tim, come on in and play us something magical. What do you got? Well, first of all, I guess you guys got it right. But (laughs) if you had only given four answers, you wouldn't have gotten. Well, that I I would have said Gordon. I would have blamed Britt. Wrong. But But Paul did. Paul said, "Give me six. So he did. So we just went the off quest, that. the question asker sets the rules. So you guys got it. But I just wanted to state don't you, don't that this one's a little that. shady, a little bit shady. Mm, on there's this, nothing we'll shady do. about it. Nothing. We, we <laughs> name all six at one point or another, and and, and and while we were discussing this for 25 minutes, we did. <laughs> yeah. I know. All right, four four in a row. This that's the greatest win streak of all time in Starkville. I think so. There's no question. Uh, all right, we're gonna go with uh, the top guy on that list." Kenny Lofton um, steals in general don't make for the greatest highlights. So we're actually technically this isn't a steal, but we're going to go back to the 1995 American League Championship Series. Uh, Kenny Lofton on second runner on third. Uh, Randy Johnson on the mound. I remember this. Ooh. It gets away. Heading home is Amaro. To third is Lofton. They have no play. And now here comes Lofton all the way. And he scores. He never stopped. Scored from second on a pass ball. Uh, oh impressive stuff. I, Although I will I, say that Dan Wilson did not hustle. <laughs> I, 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 I was I was there for that game. I remember it well. The part I didn't remember was uh, what, what did what did Bob Costa say? Here comes tomorrow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot all about that part. Uh, and you would also be correct. Technically, that was not a steal, but it was it was a moment where Kenny Lofton just did that thing that Kenny Lofton did. And um, Paul, this was a fun question. It was a yeah. timely question. And thank you so much for joining us again here in Starkville. Uh, thanks for having me. I'll, I'll look forward to coming back someday. Yeah, yes, sir. And you can. You can you can allow us to to give seventeen answers to the next question too. That'd be fine. <laughs> as long as you set the rules, everybody's out there now. Everybody knows. <laughs> set the rules. Right. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, you two can be part of these trivia segments just like Paul. We'll tell you how to do that in just a few minutes. Sliding, catching, and going into the dugout. So now it's time to hang out in one of our favorite spots in Starkville, the dugout. Uh, that's where Doug. Glanville sits and entertains us with his special Glanville-esque baseball storytelling. Um, hey, Doug, just before before I tee you up here, um, funny Starkville thing happened to me the other day. Okay, I have jury duty coming up. So I had to <laughs> fill out the jury duty questionnaire. And so one of the categories on the questionnaire is, what town do you live in? So mm. you know how it wants to like pre-answer for you so when i clicked on that 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 box to start to type in where i live 
You know what popped into the box? Starkville. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did that, that happen? I, I'm not sure, but um, there's the like a little AI creature inside oh, no. the jury center back in Pennsylvania. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> which thinks I live in Starkville now, and I guess he's not totally wrong. Yeah, not know. totally wrong. Are we in the USA, though? Or we could just say, maybe we would just say Earth. Starkville, comma, Earth. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> It, also, somebody tweeted at me last week looking for eating trips, eating tips in Starkville. But oh, not, yeah. But it was, I, I had to say, wrong Starkville. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. I have French toast, though. I make French toast every day. So I'll put that on the menu. <laughs> okay. Now, back to our regular programming. Uh, uh, Doug, it's the last week of spring training. Uh, you, you know what happens the last week of spring training, right? Yeah. Guys. Oh, yeah. Cut. But other guys have much cooler stuff happen to them. It, it's the kind of stuff that happened to Anthony Volpe of the Yankees over the weekend, and it sounded like this. You know, we talked about at the start of this, at the end of competition, and, and you killed it. But at the end of the day, you got 20-something games at AAA. There's always room for development. But at the end, I think that development should happen in the big leagues. <laughs> Congratulations, brother. You earned it. You earned it. That was Aaron Boone telling Anthony Volpe, hey, dude, you made the team. You don't have to go to AAA. What a thing. <laughs> and so, Doug, I'm guessing you can relate to that, right? So tell us a story or stories about making the team or not making the team at the end of the <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 funny. I uh, I sent Booney a text after that because, uh, and I eventually posted it about how uh, it reminded me of Bull Durham. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time, and I played in that league in the Carolina League. And I remember the manager, uh, who was played then by Trey Wilson, I believe. He uh, he was telling Crash Davis or others about how hard it is to send people down. And that's kind of the tone that Boone had saying, this is the toughest thing a manager has to do. Uh, the, the organization has decided to make a change. That was sort of the line. And then I, you kind of expect from there, you're getting cut or released and Boone just totally flipped the script and was like, congratulations. <laughs> and so as Volpe said, like your heart's racing, you're having a heart attack and especially you're, you know, you're just trying to get your debut. You're trying to get there you're excited and you know you don't know where this is going because it can go the other way and sometimes you know that's that's hard to swallow there's a reason by the way that i know back in the day i don't know if they still have this but they're supposed to give you 72 hours of like kind of mental leave to to sort of deal with the disappointment when you get demoted any demotion is supposed to come with recovery time now i don't a lot of people ignored that or they just said i i'm going to play the next day uh, i did actually take 72 hours one time Really? Much to the much to the consternation of Ed Lynch, uh, the GM. <laughs> he was the but, GM of the Cubs at the time. Uh, yes, of the Cubs. Yes, and um, but uh, I did, I did take seventy two hours. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that wasn't exactly popular. <laughs> but I was like, hey, that's the law, that's the rules. So um, yeah, but you know, it, it takes me back to a lot of moments because, just like you said, Jason, uh, I was fortunate to play long enough to get all those variations of outcomes when a manager calls you in the office. And uh, and I have a lot of good memories, of course, making the team. And I have a lot of horror shows. I have, I have a lot of surprises, uh, sometimes where you think you were going to make it and didn't. 
Uh, so in one year, you know, remember in Chicago, Mike Morgan, the longtime pitcher, uh, saw that I had a great spring and, you know, I got sent down and I just kind of, you know, knew it was coming in some point, but I still was holding out hope. And he pulled me aside and said, hey, man, you've done everything you need to do. You deserve to be here. You know now you can play here. Just go do what you need to do down in AAA, positive attitude, and you'll be right back here. And I, and I was like important. I was a guy that I wasn't like necessarily close with, but I think he just, it was a moment where a, bi- a big leaguer validated that this is where you belong. I think that matters. It's something as simple as, you know, running stretches before the game in a, in a spring training game against the Twins and Chuck Knobloch coming up to me and actually knowing my name. Like, that was a big deal. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? he knows my name. So, um, you know, I think that you have these little milestones. You know, uh, T- Teddy Higuera, that was like my first like bat against a big league, major league pitcher in a minor league game uh, and in spring training and just kind of knowing, okay, I can do this. So eventually it goes from, wow, I can make the team to like, I should be on the team or, and you earn the right to be disappointed, right? That whole cycle that you go through. And I know for me, you know, I, so Morgan, that was one year, but then that moment where they're saying you made the team, there was a year where the following year, which was 97, uh, we had a really good group of young outfielders all vying for opportunity. And eventually they had the, they made a trade. I think they traded Ozzie Timmons. And, you know, we had Jennings and Brant Brown, all these guys. And we finally came down to once they made this trade and I was the right-handed bat kind of left, I said, I might make this team. And so nothing like them telling you you made the team, you know, out of camp. But but the other thing that you always pay attention to is not just what happens to you, but you pay attention to how all your other teammates are treated. This is something you learn very quickly because your career is so short that you notice that if they treat someone with respect and they handle it a certain way, that 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 bodes well for for what the organization is about. And if you handle it another way, people pay attention because you know your day is coming. Uh, just like when Willie Wilson was aging in spring training and Tuffy Rhodes was coming in to take his job, ultimately, he he kind of picked a fight with him because he was upset knowing his time was limited. And um, and so I was sent out a lot of times. And my final year, 2005 spring training with the Yankees, uh, it was not it wasn't Boone and Cashman, but it was Cashman and Joe Torrey in spring training calling me in the office. And this time I got the pink slip because they said, you know, you know, you're we don't have any room for you. You know, we could have we want to release you now because at least you have a week to catch on to a team. Because that's the other thing. If they release you a day before spring training ends, where are you gonna go? All the rosters are already set. So you kind of need them to give you a little time to hopefully before a team had made that final decision. So they called me in a week early and I was I was disappointed because I had heard rumors that I was making the team and I wasn't resting on that, but that was supposed to happen. And here I was on the outside looking in. So in your career, if you're fortunate enough, you have you get to see the whole cycle of making the team, getting cut as a young player, um, hoping there's a trade or something to make room for you. <clears throat> you see the moment where you're just getting older and you're questioning whether you have anything left in the tank. You have the moments where you're on a three-year contract, a, a security where you're there and you're just, you're not even thinking about it because you're making the team. Uh, feeling all those emotions 
is uh is what makes you have an appreciation for the game because every year counts every moment counts and and it's such a blink and a stare as i say the length of your career and and when it's over you still remember all those moments of how teams treated you so um so this spring this is happening to players all over the all over the world really but all over these spring training camps this last couple of days and uh and i think you're going to see everything from euphoria to to downright to, to, uh, disappointment and everything in between but that's what makes the game go round yeah you know Doug, i'm so glad that you uh you talked about this uh, one of my favorite parts of these spring training starkville shows is listening to the uh, glanville spring training stories they're they're always so good but uh, this one in particular like almost all of them it's a reminder that you know while <laughs> Everybody listening to this thing is like busy working on their fantasy drafts or whatever, but real people have incredible stuff happen to them in the spring in their real lives. And, you know, once there was a time when Doug Glanville was one of those real people, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what that makes you now, Doug, but you were definitely <laughs> a real person back then. A clone. That could be a clone. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the, and the Yankees, by the way, when they did release me, I had already shipped my car to to the Yankees to Yankee Stadium. I'd already shipped my truck. All my stuff was in it. So it's like, come on, dude. So um, so they offered Joe Torres like made it, he said, Oh, let me work on it. And he makes arrangements that I flew with the team to land at, you know, wherever LaGuardia or, and then I had to go to the stadium to get my car and then drive home. It was like, and I was like, that's fine. I, I just, I'm just going to wear it. I'm just going to do it and talk to Jeter and everybody on the bus. So um, that was, that was pretty, uh, that was tough, but I, you know, I got my car. That was it. I got it back. <laughs> that's, that's always a challenge. At Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I've told you, I'm sure I've told you the story about my car getting locked in the parking garage oh, yeah. after a postseason oh. game. And uh, the Yankees just been eliminated. So like, I couldn't, it wasn't like I could just, wait till they played again, come back. That was going to be for five months. So they told me wait outside the parking garage till the cleanup crew came, which turned out to be 5.30 in the morning. Oh my goodness. So, yeah, that, that, those, see, those they, they didn't offer to fly me back to get my car. They just did uh, that for you though. So. Yeah, they did. They did. Oh my uh, goodness. Ah, uh, boy. Great times at Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. One, one second, we got our helicopter now. <laughs> Florida. It's either planes, helicopters, or ambulances. Right. All right. One second. Okay. All right. That's going to do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this all season long on the Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts and if you would like to read any of the incredible baseball coverage in the athletic nobody does it better so just go to the athletic.com slash baseball show and if you're a new subscriber you can subscribe via our opening day special for just one dollar a month for the next 12 months doug i said one dollar Woo. Yeah, that's well, that's four that's four quarters out there. Just in yeah, case, don't don't send ten, us any ten, quarters. Ten dimes. Yeah. Uh, hey, also remember, you too can be part of this podcast. Every show 
we pick some fun listener trivia question. And then that lucky listener gets to join us right here and prove once again that there's almost no baseball trivia question we can't get wrong, although we've been a little better than that in spring trading by some miracle. So if you would like to submit a question, you can do what Paul McCord did. You can email us at Starkville at theathletic.com. There's an E in the end of Starkville, by the way. Well, there's an alternative method. It's called Twitter. Doug, are you still on Twitter? Is that is, is that true that you're still on Twitter? Yeah, I, I got to go deep in, man. I still have my blue check mark, though, for now. Let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah, I'm official. <laughs> I right, exist. Well, where, would they, where would people find you and your blue check mark? Oh, yeah, at Doug Glanville, just very forward, U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah that's so. how you spell it. Uh, you don't have to yeah. spell my whole name. I am at Jason S T. That's J A Y S O M S T. Uh, by the way, please hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville QS. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Harold Reynolds for visiting us. Thanks to Paul McCord for the great trivia question. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. Doug and I will see you next week on Starkville. Starkville.